Welcome to Living Heritage, a show about people who are engaged in the heritage and culture sector, all those who keep heritage alive at the community level. I'm Natalie Dignam. Today I'm in the studio with Mike Bueller. In 2013, Mike became the first certified Cicerone in Atlantic Canada, a certification commonly understood as the equivalent of a sommelier in the craft beer world. Mike is also the co-founder of the Newfoundland and Labrador Artisanal Special Order Beer Club, a special order beer club that allowed people to order beers that were not available through the Newfoundland and Labrador Liquor Corporation. In addition, he is the founder of The Beer Thief, an online forum that connects craft beer enthusiasts. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hey, thanks. So, uh, you were one of the, well, you were the first Cicerone in Atlantic Canada, um, and there were only a few more than a dozen in Canada at all, and I was hoping you could talk about what a Cicerone is and, and what that certification means. So, Cicerone is a new-ish certification. It started, I think, Ray Daniels put it together in so late 90s, or early 2000s, he started putting it together, recognizing that in the serving industry, restaurant industry, that people didn't know the servers and people working didn't know anything about beer. It's like, okay, we need to get people learning. And the craft beer movement, certainly coming out of the U.S., was growing and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And all these people throwing beer at customers with no idea what it was. So the Cicerone certification, and he was looking for a name. He didn't want to go with sommelier because it's so closely related to wine. and, Mm -hmm. And most people who understand what a sommelier is know that it's a wine a wine designation of people that have studied wine and, and to be able to serve it and know what it is, etc. Uh, and Cicerone is a, an Italian word meaning guide or mentor. And that certification started to grow. When I got into it and, and did the certified Cicerone, I think I was the 14th in Canada. It was the first east of Montreal. And I just tasted mostly personal interest. And I, it was funny because I... Before then, I thought I knew a fair bit about beer, and I and I'd been chasing new beers everywhere I went in my travels. I'd always look for something new and local and whatever. Mm-hmm. And once I started studying, I did the certified beer server first, which is an online exam, and not too hard to do. I did a little. I went down and did a little workshop in New York to prep for certified beer server, and then continued studying for a certified Cicerone, I realized I knew nothing. The amount of knowledge that's out there related to beer is is insane. I started studying for the next level, the third level, advanced Cicerone, and I spent a year reading books, going through the recommended reading list, etc., various studies, tasting beers that I could find, and it's a huge amount of work, and there's another level after that. And so how many levels are there? Total? There's four now. Yeah. When I started, there were only three. There was Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. And then a couple of, a few years ago, they added Advanced Cicerone between Certified Cicerone and Master Cicerone. Hmm. Their, the failure rate was crazy. Like one in 50 people would pass. Yeah. Uh, so where are you now? Are you on that secondary, or you're studying? I, I did Certified Cicerone. I chose... I, I was studying for the advanced and uh, was working towards that, and I came to the realization that I was putting all this time and effort uh, and resources in, into this studying, but to what end? I don't work in the industry per se. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking it anywhere further per se. It was just, again, personal interest, a little bit of bragging rights, 
and I decided that I wasn't going to continue doing that. It wasn't worth it to me personally. Um, Certified Cicerone, it's been fun. It's a fun ride, and I've had a lot of fun using it with the beer club and other things I've done, but... Besides that, I don't I don't feel the need to go any any further. And I think uh, from what I've heard about the Cicerone, like you said, it's really tough. Like specifically, what are some of the things that you have to do to become a certified Cicerone? Like there's a tasting component, right? Yes, there is. So when I when I did it, they didn't have a a specified reading list. There were a couple of books that that came out that they recommended, but other than that, it was self study. So you you get the syllabus, so you don't understand. You can read that to find out what you're expected to know, mm-hmm. but then you have to go find that information, and that that alone was hard. You know, looking around, where do I find these books? Where do I find these resources? Where do I find books that are going to tell me this information? So that was a lot. Of, that was a lot of the effort was just tracking down this stuff. So, as you can imagine, I have a fairly substantial library of books related to beer, both on my Kindle and in hardcover. Lots of the my my most important reference materials I'll have on both on my Kindle whatever. When I was writing for the Telegram, having it on my Kindle was great. So if I'm traveling for work or, or wherever I am, I have all my reference material with me and easy to access. Um, but finding all that was difficult. And then and then again, as you said, there's a tasting component, so you have to go to where where an exam is being set. And when I was felt I was ready for the exam. There was almost once a year, maybe they do one in Toronto, maybe Vancouver. Mm-hmm. I ended up going down to the U.S. I went to Toronto first for the first one, missed it by four points. Oh, I, God. I got my results. <laughs> I got my results. And I was just oh no! I'm looking at it, it was however many weeks after, and I was fortunate. I was I was on a job at the time, just doing standby rescue, so most of my time was sitting in a truck looking at the work happening in front of me, uh, but no other real responsibility except to be there if something happened. So I just started studying again, going through everything, get on the phone, rebooking the exam. And I, I saw one down in New York, and I'm like, okay, well, i got a friend there. I can go to New York and, and stay with stay with my friend, and, and that'd be good. And the day before I was flying down to take the exam, they canceled my flight and rebooked it for two days later missing the exam and I'm just like ah I feel like, like who hasn't tried to fly out of St. John's and had that happen to them right? though like exactly like they rebook <laughs> it's not like they rebook for the next day they rebook for two days later three days later I'm like ah. so I get back online I'm looking and I'm like okay there's a there's a there's one in, in DC in three days or four days or whatever it was so I get on the phone call Cicerone any seats left on this exam yes okay well call my cousin in DC can I come stay with you for a couple days called rebook flights so <laughs> I managed to retake the there. whole thing and flew down to DC instead of New York and sat the exam the second time and and got through that one but uh, yeah it was a little bit of a rigmarole to make it all happen yeah and I consider myself a, someone who's into craft beer but when I heard that you would have to do this blind taste test and identify the beers I was like I don't I don't think I could. I like beer, but I don't think I could do that. Like, there's in the tasting portion. There's a few elements of what it is. So, part of it will be at certified cicerone level, identifying style. So you have a couple of samples. What style is this? Is this a stout or a lager? Might not be that easy. On mine, it was supposed to be an advanced level. The difference between a porter and a stout. 
But anyway, so with that, there's also, it, with tasting, there'll be samples. One will be a control, and then you'll have like four off flavors. What are the off flavors? Where does it come from? Another one will be, is this sample good or is it off? If it's off, would you serve this to a customer? So pretty, the first time, the first time I did it, I think an hour of the exam was tasting. And the first time I sat it, it took me every minute of the time I had. You're trying to get your brain to, to connect with what you think you're tasting. And, and that can be really hard. And, and I think most people have that if you're tasting beer, you're tasting it, trying to identify what are these flavors I'm tasting, trying to get, and you're like, oh, I recognize that. What is that? And you, and you know it's something that you recognize, mm -hmm. but then trying to find the word that describes what it is, it's like, I can't think of it. So one tool that they that people say to use in wine and beer tasting is memory. Does that trigger a memory? So for me, one that really comes out, and I think I'm the only person I've ever met who's got it, There's, there was a product called Bakelite, and they used it to make things that now are made of plastics but uh, a lot of electrical things so like little switch plates or or the bodies of little electrical devices and things were made of this product called Bakelite and I remember as a kid if you broke it there was this really distinct smell that came from it but some of the sour beers some Brett Bernalmeister's beers to me, it's like bing, and it goes bakelite, and it just it just comes from this memory as a kid of this stuff. And I will be tasting with people, and I'll throw that out there. And you have to be a certain age to even have a clue to know what what it, what it is. <laughs> They're like, what? What the hell is bakelite? And but yeah, so it's it's interesting. Memory can be can be a great thing. The trigger is like, oh, that's that's grandma's attic, or whatever. Right, things that you wouldn't necessarily be like, mmm, that's delicious, you know, big yeah. light, but it just helps you identify that one smell yeah, or it flavor. Gives you, it gives you a reference to use as an identifier for what that flavor is that you're tasting. Whether it makes any sense or not. Like, does it make any sense that I taste big light? No. But... <laughs> But it, it works. It works for for me in in, in that just descriptor. And, and mm -hmm. every time every time I taste a beer that has that ping, that's a, a recognized flavor for me. So has this led you at all to to home brewing, or have you ever gotten really into that? Or are you more on the the other side of it? I I've had an interest in home brewing. I still have a limited interest in home brewing, and. Through a bit of discovery, I realized that I'm not a brewer. That's not my passion to brew the beer. I appreciate what it is. I absolutely appreciate the work that goes into it. Certainly, I've studied it. I understand a lot of a lot of different brewing techniques and and the work and the effort that goes into making these things. But I never it never grabbed me to where I started really going after it. I've done a couple of batches of beer, just kits. Mm -hmm. uh, mine were successful they were bad i think there's still a couple of bottles from it's got to be four or five years ago sitting in my basement um the last one i had like last year still was okay never designed to sell it or never designed to put down and, but it, it's sitting there it's fine yeah i find like i i recently started home brewing and um 
I find, yeah, like, when you're talking about the off flavors, like, I, I find myself being like, but where did we go wrong? Like, what made it taste that way? And is yeah. that kind of a way you think sometimes when you taste something like, oh, they oxidized it too much, or they did this or that? or Yeah, or, or it's it. green, or they pulled it off the yeast too early, or whatever. And, yeah, and there's a number of off flavors specifically related to the brewing process. And, mm-hmm. and, and as you said, take it, do it a little wrong turn somewhere in the process. Um, and a great thing for... For anybody homebrewing to do is an off-flavor seminar if you can. Uh, I may offer another one because I have a credit with with Cicerone, with the organization. I was going to go do the advanced exam. I paid for it, didn't use it. So I have that credit there. So I may, I may use that credit for to, to get an off-flavor kit. Uh, I, did one, I did one a while back. I, I think I did two off-flavor seminars. We, we held them down at Kitty Bitty. Uh, and... Pretty well received. I mean, lots of people. It's a it's a great way to get a sense of what some of the things are. I mean, lots yeah. of them, as a home brewer, whatever you read about, you know, you're studying, trying to make your your beer better, and you read about these various off flavors. Going, well, how do I know what it is if I've never tasted it? If I've never seen it, how am I going to recognize it? Yeah. So doing a seminar and having someone that can lead the seminar to help to help you understand what it is and get a get a taste of it, then it's going to make your your brewing better when you when you do a, a wrong step somewhere you're like oh okay that's that's what i did wrong there that's why i've got this particular off flavor so that kind of leads to uh the next thing i wanted to talk about which is the artisanal craft beer club and beer thief and could you explain how those two things started and what they are so what happened was i, I got on the cicerone thing and that came kind of almost the same time as getting together with Tom Beckett and talking about how are we going to get better beer here. I'd been on a work trip somewhere and I, I, I landed in New York, wound up in what turned out to be kind of my favorite beer bar, certainly in New York. Uh, I come home uh, at the NLC, look in the store, just so disappointed that there was nothing that had any interest for me. It was something to drink. I'm over Tom's. Tom runs the Cheese Club for Belvins. So he runs the email list, whatever, and, and he and I had met through that. And I knew his wine was a very big part of his world, interests, important things. And I'm just chatting with Tom. I, I think I went by his house to get pick up cheese. I said, Tom, what are we going to do? We've got to figure out a way to get beer here. But I, I'm losing my mind. What are we going to do? And Tom said, well, let's start a beer club. Let's start a beer of the month club. Hmm, that's a good idea. So we continued our conversation, came up with kind of a plan, went to the NLC, presented to the NLC. It took them almost a year and a half to come back and say, yeah, go for it. And we're just wicked. So this was August of, what year was that, 2012? Um, And we kicked it off. I talked to GDCL, the brewery, and chatted with them. They very very nice beers and said hey will you work with us with this beer club and can we use your beer will you supply yep no problem so i think i want to do 426 packs or something the first the first offering and we're just that's kind of cool and clearly yeah people wanted this like the desire was there even in 2012 oh yeah the desire was there and that was so we to kick to get the club going uh, Tom wrote up a letter saying, this is our idea. This is what we're trying to do with this beer club. We sent it out to everybody on our personal email lists. 
Um, he couldn't use the Q's Club mail, email list because he doesn't own it. But our personal email list, we sent it out. A hundred people came back and said, yeah, we're in. Wicked. So a hundred people start starting 426 packs the first offering. Within three months, the NLC comes back and says, hey, we want to have a meeting and talk about how we can work together. Tom and I are like, hmm. We were up to 1,500 six-packs by the third offering, and it was just just going up fast and hard. And we're like, wow, this is crazy. Um, so that was the beer club. It, it was the Newfoundland, Newfoundland Labrador um, Special Order Beer Club. It's kind of what we named it in the beginning. Then Beer Thief was my was my idea for me. I took it from an old punk rock single from the '80s, a local band called Schizoid, and they did this single called Beer Thief. And on and the little blurb on the back of the single was, "I swear on a stack of two fours, I didn't steal your last beer." So it was just a joke. To me, it was just a joke and a play on this punk rock single that I started. Beer Thief is my little company, and then uh, a local guy lives in uh, CBS who does uh, web building and, and, and hosting and server stuff, uh, chatting with Adrian, said, hey, I want to start a forum. I, another place I spend a lot of my time is on a couple of motorcycle forums. And the biggest one, advrider.com, there's over 350,000 members around the world on Adventure Rider. And I spend a lot of time on ADV. <laughs> and anyway, it's a great forum and I've met some really great people. Uh, it's a nice place to hang out, great place to f- get information, whatever else. So I wanted to start a beer themed forum here based on the same sort of setup and, and sort of laid out in, in a similar fashion to try and give beer people, beer fans or people interested in beer, a forum that they could, an online place that they could go to talk about beer, learn about beer, whatever. And that, when we launched the forum, that was launched under the name, under the banner of Beer Thief. Mm-hmm. So that was, those that and the beer club were happening kind of starting out kind of at the same time. The and two separate. They're, theoretically, they were separate, but people, people didn't realize that they were actually separate. And so a lot of people called the club Beer Thief, whatever, and all this confusion, and I didn't bother to correct many people. <laughs> Whatever, it went. And then at a, at a certain point, we did end up changing the name of the, of the forum to the NL. We changed kind of the name of the club to the Newfoundland and Labrador Artisanal and Craft Beer Club, NLACBC. To, and we changed the header on the forum to the NLACBC as well. Although now the forum's gone back to being headed under Beer Thief. But yeah, and then we were talking, uh, chatting about how the club has sort of taken a little break because, I mean, the scene has changed so much since you started yeah. right here. Yeah, I mean, so much has changed in the last couple of years with the new breweries starting starting to kick off. Uh, we've only got, what, five new ones now in the, la- in the last two years. But by the end of 2019, we could be looking at 20 new breweries uh, if everybody that's kind of on the list of of planning that's out there now are successful in, in getting their breweries off the ground. So there's all that happening. There's the girl doing her beer tours. Uh, Chad did the, did his little guide to craft beer in Newfoundland and stuff. So there's other people coming up doing doing more beer-themed stuff, trying to build new things. The NLC is doing a pretty good job now of bringing in a reasonable selection of interesting beer and quite frequently 
So Tom and I got to got to a a point, and after we did the craft beer attraction, the beer show, we kind of got to a point looking at it, going, you know what? We I think we we've been way more successful than we ever imagined we would be with the beer club. We had far more effect and influence than we ever imagined by far, and we thought, well, you know what? This is probably a good time as any for us to step back a bit and let other people take off more beer stuff going forward and we'll just we'll just mothball the beer club for now if mm-hmm. we still own the email list and and that's been very jealously guarded by Tom and I we own it and we do not share email addresses your emails are safe <laughs> your emails are safe so for all our club members you don't have to worry about us letting anybody else have your email address. It, it won't come from us. Um, so yeah, we just we just said, you know what, we're good with that. Tom was putting in a lot of time in admin. He's not a young man. I'm not a young man either, but he's older than I am, um, and he has he wants to put his attention to other stuff. I'm working on some some new projects as well. Uh, so the time and effort that we dedicated to the club, both of us now want to push that into other things. That's so, fine. Uh, but Beer Thief, the online forum, there is still active. Yep. People can still go on. And yep. uh, what's the web address for that? Beerthief.ca is is the address. And there's a core there's a core of guys that are on there pretty regular. I tr- I'm not on there every day. I try to be on there minimum every couple of weeks still it's still at a level that I've read every single post on there I track that I've always it's always been extremely important to me that it's a friendly place uh, that there's no nastiness and and stuff they I mean there's so many online trolls and like Facebook and other places you see where a lot of time is spent by one person hacking on another person whatever and and a lot of unpleasantness and I've tried to keep that out of of our forum um i can go back and say there's pretty much only been two comments that i felt were going over that line both by a person in the industry in this in st john's uh who should know better Uh, but he's not a nice individual and I gave up supporting what he does and his work and his company quite a long time ago. It's like, no, I'm done with you. So, yeah, that's fine. That forum has been a a great resource for people in the province, and we had some of the women from the Brunettes in, and they said that that club for women who want to talk about craft beer like started on the Beer Thief Forum, which is pretty cool. Yeah, the Brunettes, that actually started, that actually was Tom and my idea to start the Brunettes. Uh, I ran across several other women um, I'll say women only but women's beer groups elsewhere in Canada <clears throat> and had crossed paths with, with them in a few different events and things um, and, I, and I recognized that this is a great way to bring people into the beer community without I mean as so many other things that when, once you mix in the testosterone lots of women don't have any interest in being there. It's like it just gets to be a less comfortable place. 
so we we had the idea of starting the brunettes um we didn't come up with the name but to start a women's group here to to give a another platform for people to access and learn about craft beer that they might be less comfortable with if, if there were lots of guys around and certainly we all know what guys can get like when they're drinking beer um <laughs> myself included so anyway we we, we uh we approached one of our club members and asked her if she was interested in uh, in starting this group. And she said, oh, that's great. So she did that. And it's evolved. And I don't know how much um, she's still active with the group. She she kind of handed it off to, to some other people to run. But I, it's from the little I know, I mean, being a guy. It's really taken off, yeah. It's, so, it's very popular. And it's definitely, yeah, I'm a member, so... I know that it's drawn in a lot of women that I think have been intimidated by craft beer, and I'm I'm sure I think it being kind of a new thing in the province, like in all these breweries popping up, people do kind of feel a little intimidated yeah, going in. It, it's different. Yeah, it's totally different. And I mean, in the dynamics, if you've got a group of men versus a group of women, the dynamics are completely different, or can be completely different. So, so having the brunettes having a you know women's only venue to to enjoy beer and learn about beer stuff is great. So, and so we we you know we were super happy that that kicked off and, and another little bit of influence of the beer club in Newfoundland. So, yeah, and so you travel quite a bit. Yeah, I travel. I was I've been a wanderer since high school. I was a ski bum for twenty years. I lived all over Canada, U.S. Um, later, I started. My current work is doing industrial rope access. I also started working for Search of Soleil. So between those, all over the world, and chasing beer everywhere I go. Do you have a favorite beer destination or, or something that's currently? Cause... I'm a huge fan of Belgian beer. Um, looking at where the world is today in beer, it's very easy if you if you spend a little time studying craft breweries in the U.S. Canada, it's you will see quickly how much influence Belgium has had for beer in the craft beer world. The there are over I think four hundred styles attributed separate styles attributed to Belgium. So there's so much variety in flavor and texture and color and everything coming out of traditional. Belgian breweries and the different regions of Belgium would have have their own things. Like the Seine Valley near Brussels is where Lambics came from. Mm-hmm. Lambics by style are my favorite styles of beer. And there's a number of beers within Lambics, whether they're fruited Lambics like a Creek or unfruited like a Goise or straight Lambic that's uncarbonated. Uh, that's my that little realm of beer is my favorite. It's the oldest style of beer that's still being brewed today in the world. Very labor intensive. But so complex and interesting and so many little quirks. And Goises are one of the best-selling beers out there. They've always been designed that you can put them down. And the wild yeast, the Brettanomyces yeasts, and bacteria that are in those beers tend to be slow-acting. So mm-hmm. you could, they're bottle-conditioned, so they're still re-fermenting in the bottle after they've been bottled. But those will keep going and ticking along for years. Goise is easily 50 years in a cellar. 
for a lot for good ones. Wow. And yeah, I don't think people would think that with beer. So unfortunately, we are running out of time. I could talk about beer all day, but I will ask you uh, one last question. Do you have a favorite beer in Newfoundland right now? Favorite beer in Newfoundland right now? I don't know. I haven't. I haven't. It's terrible, but I haven't been drinking hardly any of the new crap, new cra- new crop of Newfoundland beers from the new breweries. I've had like one Scud Runner. I've had like four. Port Rexton. I've had two pre-production samples from Bootleg, but mm-hmm. that's it. I don't yeah. live in town now. I spend almost zero time in St. John's, so I don't have access to them. And I haven't been on the road. I haven't done a road trip around the island to drive these to drive these beers. And so it's, it's terrible that I can't identify any single favorite just because I haven't tr- haven't tried them. I need yeah. to get out more. Next project. Next project, exactly. All right, well, thank you for coming in. Well, thanks very much for having me. I'm Dale Jarvis. You've been listening to Living Heritage, a production of CHMR Radio 93.5 in collaboration with the Intangible Cultural Heritage Office of the Heritage Foundation of Newfoundland and Labrador. Find us online at ichblog.ca or on iTunes. Our Heritage Broadcast Assistant is Natalie Dignam, in partnership with the Conservation Corps Newfoundland and Labrador ECHO program. We would love to know what you think of the show. If you have a question or a suggestion for a future program, leave us a comment on the Living Heritage Podcast Facebook page, email livingheritagepodcast at gmail.com, or tweet us at HFNLCA. Thanks for listening. <laughs>